guys, and welcome to a new episode of Addicted to Crime. I'm your host, Shelby Nanke. I'm back in the middle of the week with a fun mini episode, and I'm really excited to tell you guys about it. This actually happened locally to where I live, not very far away from me, in Madison, Wisconsin. And the reason I wanted to cover this case is because my husband was right in the area when these murders happened. And if he would have just looked out of the window of his hospital room, he could have actually witnessed the murder. Now, he didn't witness anything. He was asleep when these murders happened. But it is still really interesting that he was right there when this happened. And and we've been both very interested in this case because of that. We felt we've had like a little connection to it. That is why I am going to be covering the case Double Homicide at the UW Arboretum. Madison, Wisconsin in March, the air is still brisk and very cold. And on this particular morning in March 31st, 2020, the early morning hours, it was about 30 degrees. So it was a really nice spring morning, very typical. The sun was rising and it was just a beautiful day. The snow was still on the ground in areas, but grass and plants were already peeking through. It was a Tuesday morning, and the UW Arboretum in Wingra Park was beautiful at this time of day. The Arboretum is a research and popular recreational area that includes more than 1,200 acres of forests and prairies and has about 17 miles of walking trails. It was still and peaceful, and it's one of the stillest areas you can find in busy Madison, Wisconsin. Traffic had already started compiling on the Beltline, but down North Ringwood Drive and Arboretum Drive, the entrance to the park was still and serene. It's a more secluded area of the city. You can also find there a reserve, a marsh, another recreational area, a conservation park, and two huge lakes, Lake Wingra and Lake Winona, that are in this area. It's the perfect place for a morning jog or to walk your dog before work. And that particular morning, at about 6.30, two individuals were jogging and out and about on this morning. As they passed the entrance to the UW Arboretum, just south of the main campus, the University of Wisconsin, they suddenly came to a halt. Off the sidewalk in a ditch lie two bodies, one male and one woman. These cases, you hear about people who are just going about their day-to-day life or who are taking a walk or who are out with their dog or whatever, and then they discover a body. And it's really weird to think that who knows what's around us, you know? Like, could you imagine just being out and about on your daily routine and, and discovering a body? That's just crazy to me. It would be kind of cool to be involved in an investigation, but at the same time, I hope I never, ever, 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 ever discover a dead body because, wow, can you just... Just imagine how that would ruin your entire day in life. Moving on. So two separate individuals discovered the bodies and two calls were placed to 911 at about 930. Officers were there within minutes. They got to the scene quickly and paramedics rushed to the bodies of 52-year-old Beth Potter and her husband, 57-year-old Robin Carr. Robin Carr was pronounced dead on scene by the paramedics. He was wearing only his boxers and he had one gunshot wound to the back of his head. Beth Potter was reportedly still alive and so she was immediately rushed to the UW hospital. 
She too suffered from a gunshot wound to the back of her head, but she was shot twice. She unfortunately passed away later at the hospital. Now, one interesting thing to note, this very same day, only a couple minutes after the body were discovered, there had been a report of a gunshot going off at the UW emergency waiting room in the hospital. Police officers were bringing a suspect to the emergency room for treatment, and he allegedly struggled with the officers and grabbed the gun off their belts and fired a gunshot into the ceiling. Now, no one was injured or hurt, and this isn't related to the case at all, but this did happen the same day, only a few minutes away, only a few miles away from where the bodies were found, so I thought it would be worth mentioning. Let's give you some background to who Beth Potter and Robin Carr were as individuals. Beth Potter grew up in Illinois, and she studied French language and literature at Knox College. She attended medical school afterwards at Rush Medical College in Chicago. In 1996, she began her residency training with family medicine at UW, and she joined the faculty in 1999. Now, she was super devoted to her patients. She was an amazing doctor. She showed tremendous compassion. She was very respected between her patients and colleagues alike. She was multilingual. She spoke French and Spanish. And to the diverse population of Madison, she really provided just a comfort to her patients. She was the medical director of employee health services for UW Health since 2016. And she specialized in medicine, wellness, and women's health. According to Channel 3000, Dr. Potter worked at the Wingrove Family Medical Center, and that was run by the Access Community Health Centers and the University of Wisconsin Department of Family Medicine and Community Health. Now, her neighbors described her as a beautiful soul, and she was well-loved by her community. She also loved the outdoors. She probably had most definitely been walking on those very arboretum trails that her body would later be found at. She loved the outdoors. She loved being one with nature. She was just in her element when she was outside. Now, Robin Carr was remembered in one tribute as, quote, a pillar in the Madison soccer community. He also went to college at Knox College, and he received a Bachelor's of Arts degree in International Relations, and he also received a Doctorate of Philosophy, a PhD in European History. On his website, on his LinkedIn website, he explained that he had decades of experience as an educator and coach. He was an adjacent professor of history at the Vibrito University, and he was coaching director at Regent Soccer Club. Now, he holds a PhD from the University of Illinois at Chicago, and he's also a dependent educational consulting certificate from UC Irving. He is also a member of the Independent Educational Consultants Association, the Wisconsin Association for College Admissions Counseling, and the Illinois Association for College Admissions Counseling. This guy was busy. He was dedicated to helping students. He lost, launched a business in 2015 that helped students with college searching skills, list development, development of application strategies and timelines. He helped students with essays, including brainstorming and editing, and he also assisted students in applying for financial aid and scholarships. Both Beth and Robin were pillars in their community, and they were greatly, greatly missed. Their death definitely rocked the community. Immediately after their bodies were discovered, officers started canvassing the neighborhood, and they started following up on leads and knocking on doors to see if anyone saw anything. Now, side note, I mentioned that my husband was actually at the St. Mary's Hospital, and if you looked out his window in his bedroom, you could see the entrance to the park. Now, it's just crazy for us to think that if he would have been awake at that time, he could have actually seen these people 
been shot and killed and he could have helped in the investigation. I'm so glad that he didn't have to see that, especially since this case is wrapped up. Thankfully, that witnessing wasn't needed. But I, it's just crazy to me. Now, he was never questioned by police. I don't know if police question people inside the hospital at all. But from his hospital window, you could, you could see the entrance to the park. Now, if you're driving on North Wingward Drive, to the left-hand side is the sidewalk and the entrance to the park where the bodies were found. And on the right-hand side, there are suburban homes. So the chances of people seeing something were pretty good. So officers knew they had to get talking to people. An autopsy was conducted on both Robin and Beth, and they were found to have died from homicidal-related trauma. But at this time, the police didn't release the manner of death to the public. They kept that information close to the chest. Police right away believed that this case was a targeted killing and that it was very deliberate. UW police spokesperson Mark Lavacott spoke in an interview, and he said that he believed that it was not a murder-suicide, but he believed that one or two individuals were responsible for the killing. So they completely right away ruled out a murder-suicide. It wasn't even really in their minds from the get-go. During the course of this investigation, police officers were in the neighborhoods, like I said, canvassing and asking questions, but they were sent tips. They were sent many anonymous tips that alleged that the couple's daughter's boyfriend was actually involved in the homicides. The police spokesman, Mark Lavacott, said in an interview that he was not going to release how these boys were identified as suspects because it was the daughter's boyfriend and another one of his friends. And that's something I noticed early on in my research. I wanted to know how it went from Beth and Robin's death announcing that they had died through a homicide to the media and then all of a sudden they had this suspect I wanted to know who kind of dropped the bomb, but that is not talked about, is 100% not a detail that the public was made aware of. And that is understandable because it was a very fresh case and they needed to keep some details quiet. Police, however, took this tip or lead that they received from the community and they soon discovered that the boyfriend had a motive. Beth and Robin had three children, Ezra, Jonah, and Mimi. And their daughter, Mimi, was living with her parents at the time with her boyfriend, Kari Sanford. Kari was 18. They both attended West High School together. Now, Kari Sanford was sort of taken in by Beth and Robin, and he was invited to live with them. In the year 2019, Kari had been arrested for car theft, and as a result of that, he had to attend a deferred prosecution program in February of that year. He was a high school senior at the time, and he had just applied for college, and according to Sanford's attorney, at the time of the homicides, he was the captain of his football team, and he was halfway through his senior year. He was involved in a mentorship program known as the Brotherhood. This organization has organized sports for youth and also works as a place to mentor black teenage boys and this is also a place for racial advocacy and on the outside he seemed to have his life together he was really working hard he was doing well in school and he was doing well in sports now according to a source someone at Mimi and Kari's high school actually overheard them talking about Mimi's parents during ceramics class after the homicides they reported it to police as suspicious but they chose to remain anonymous allegedly Mimi had told Kari that her parents were very wealthy and had, quote, bands of cash, end quote. She also mentioned, according to this source, that the possibility of robbing her parents to get their cash was very real and that her and Kari should take their cash and run away. Now, this seems very bizarre and very random for a daughter to be talking about her parents this way, but reportedly things were not super chill at home. 
In March, Shikari, Mimi, and Mimi's parents got into a fight, and a source told the police that Beth Potter had told Mimi and Kari to adhere to the COVID-19 restrictions that the family had set in place. Now, Beth Potter was concerned for her health. She had some underlying health factors that could make it dangerous for her to contact COVID, and so she took precautions to keep herself from getting the virus, to keep herself and her family safe. And she had laid out these restrictions to Kari and Mimi, and allegedly they were not adhering to the restrictions. And so the fight the four of them had was said to be because Mimi and Kari were not listening to their mother and not social distancing. So Beth and Robin both made the decision that would prove to be fatal to them, sadly. I want to share with you guys a super cool company that I'm really excited to be affiliated with, Podbean. I started this podcast not knowing at all how to do anything related to podcasting. I just knew I wanted to talk about true crime. And so when I found Podbean, they helped me set up the podcast of my dreams. Let me tell you, you record the episode, you send it to Podbean. Podbean sends it out everywhere and helps keep tabs on all your progress for you. It's really super helpful. And if you have any questions, they are there in seconds. As a podcast hosting company, in my opinion, Podbean is the greatest. They're the easiest, most affordable option to get started in podcasting. You could get one month free now. I'm going to be including the link in my show notes and I'll include the link as well in my website. You can get an unlimited hosting plan or get a business hosting plan. And don't forget, if you use my link, you get one month for free. It's the perfect time to start a podcast if you've been wanting to. Why not give it a shot? You won't regret it ahead and try podcasting with Podbean today and tell them that Shelby at Addicted to Crime sent you. Now, the decision that Beth and Robin made would be fatal. They told Kari and Mimi that they were going to kick them out. They were just going to kick them out onto the street, like I'm sure you're thinking. They're only 18 years old. No, what they did is they paid for an Airbnb for the couple. They provided them a vehicle to use, a white van, and they said, here, since you guys can't obey the rules, we have this home for you. Why don't you guys stay here for a little bit until the virus is more under control? Now, I did read a source that allegedly said there seemed to be other sort of issues going on in the family, but that particular source wasn't sure. They just said that they thought that there was more. And I thought that was interesting and we could mention it because it really does seem like a crazy catapult to go from, okay, you guys aren't following my instruction here. Let me give you a literal house and vehicle and you guys stay away from us for a little bit and like you do that, stay away for a little bit and then come back once the virus is settled. And then it seems to go from that to murder. Like, like what? <laughs> it seems like a huge jump. But this was just an alleged thing that came up. I just thought it was interesting to mention. But honestly, it is really weird that it went from that all of a sudden to murder. It's, it's just a bizarre case. Police would find surveillance footage of that white man circling the home of Beth and Robin on March 30th, which is the night before the incident. So they were definitely kind of just keeping an eye on the home and kind of stalking the home a little bit. Now, before the murders happened, Kari allegedly approached Elijah LaRoe to rob the family. Elijah alleges that he knew nothing about the murders. He just thought that the two of them were going to rob the family. However, according to police on the night of March 
30th, 2020, Elijah and Kari burst into the home, kidnapped the couple, and then brought them to the UW Arboretum's entrance, and they shot them in the back of the head until they died. Now, later, the next night, March 31st, the night the bodies were found, a witness told the Madison homicide detectives that he actually overheard a phone call between Elijah and Kari that night. Reportedly, Kari was upset that Beth was still alive at the time and in the hospital. He told Elijah, quote, I swear I hit them. How did they survive? End quote. That is what the witness alleges. The judge, when he ar arraigned both boys, set bail for the two of them at $1 million each. So let's recap a little bit. They're given a tip that the boyfriend was involved. The next night, they arrest Kari Sanford, 18. The night after that, they arrest Elijah LaRue, also 18, the next night. And now both boys are being held for $1 million each. Elijah's mother was heavily contesting this, and she said that it was unfair for him to be remanded to jail because Elijah had no priors, no criminal history, and was only 18. And one side note, Elijah's mother is heavily involved in the Black Lives Matter organization in Madison. And at this time, they were actually speaking out against the Madison police, and they were calling them for be defunded. Right now, Elijah's mother, Alice, is arguing for her son to be released from jail because she said she fears for his safety. Now, Elijah's mother is experiencing all these emotions of her son being arrested and as well as experiencing emotions of grief because Beth Potter was actually her former doctor. So she had the grief of Beth Potter's dying and then her grief just turned to horror when she realized that her son was a suspect. The boys were being held on charges for first degree intentional homicide and they were awaiting their court appearances. Elijah LaRose protest they boys are still being held and I'm having a hard time from here on out finding information on where this case is at so it's the beginning of 2021 right now and the last thing that I read that the trial was at first delayed due to COVID and then they were starting to continue the trial with zoom conferencing calls between the judge attorneys and suspects but this is the last I heard about this case and this is a shorter episode today but this is a case that like I said my husband and I are super involved in and I will be posting little updates here and there as I find out more information but currently Kari Sanford Elijah LaRue they're both being held in Dane County Jail for the murder of Beth Potter and Robin Carr the case is at they're currently in court as I hear things I'll post about it but yeah I just wanted to give you guys this case it was requested by my husband and this is a bizarre case what a crazy escalation from living at home to murder all because of COVID-19 social distancing really that's what you're telling me I don't know. No one else has been involved as an accessory to this case. I know you're going to ask me, what about Mimi? Has she had anything to do with it? She has not been officially charged. No charges have been brought against her. So no, as of right now, she has no connection to this case. It is, however, suspicious. And I know it looks bad, but we can't point any fingers until an arrest is made or not made. That is it for my bonus mini episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, I'll include the sources in 
my website and you can look into more information. And if you see any articles pop up, feel free to tag me in them. I am on Instagram at addicted to crime podcast, also on Facebook. And you can also email us at I am addicted to crime at gmail.com. If you notice any updates or if you have any case suggestions, I've been getting a bunch of case suggestions lately. Thank you for them. I'm super excited. And once that stick out to me, I'm definitely adding to the list. And stay tuned because I'm going to have a Valentine's Day special episode and it's going to be crazy. So stay tuned for that. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. I'm going to be throwing out bonus episodes as I can randomly here and there. I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.